0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest this evening, Beverly Eakley. Beverly hails from Australia and is the author of eight historical romances and the winner of several awards, including the Romance Readers of Australia Award. Her work has been published by Laura's Cave Robert Hale, and Chocolate. And her titles include The Reluctant Bride and The Maid of Milan.
0: So Beverly, welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you? Hi. Hi, Bernadette. I'm well. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. And thank you so
1: much because it's Nine o'clock here in New York, and I think it's much earlier in Australia. So thanks so much for for getting up early to do this call. I it.
0: <laughs> oh, look, it's a pleasure. But actually, it's one p.m., so a very respectable time the following day.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the
0: third over. It's the third over here.
1: <laughs> okay, you're you're a day ahead. Um, mm. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit about your writing journey. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about when you started writing, and and when you first got published.
0: All right, certainly. Well, I wrote my first completed novel when I was 17. I'd been writing a long time before then, and I was convinced this was the first, was the one, but unfortunately I drowned my heroine on the final page, so it didn't really qualify as a romance. So I had to, uh, I decided to give up my, um, my idea of writing fiction and I became a journalist instead for many years. It took me 23 years to finally get published. Wow. That's, and now, <laughs> a, bit of a, still journey.
1: As a journalist during the day or is writing fiction your full-time job?
0: No. I, writing fiction is my full-time job. I was a journalist for a number of years on the Adelaide Advertiser, my hometown. Then I... Uh, Took a couple of months off to run a safari camp in Botswana my grandfather had been a district commissioner in the early part of the century so I discovered his diaries and thought it was a pretty romantic part of the world to go and visit ended up getting a, a job there and met my husband who was a Norwegian bush pilot I met around the campfire the night before I was due to fly home back to Australia and back to my job so to cut a long story short 20 years ago uh, well with mar- marriage, um, uh, married my husband and continued writing fiction in tents and thatched cottages and during airborne survey contracts around the world in Greenland, French Guiana, living, living the life as the trailing spouse. So I did go back to journalism when we returned to live in Sydney and later Perth but all the while I continued to write my fiction and I think I wrote about six novels before finally my first was accepted for publication in 2009.
1: Wow well your your life sounds like a romance novel
0: (laughs) it must provide a lot of
1: source material. Uh, Has do you now do you use the locations of where you've lived? I think you said you've lived in 12 countries. Do do you set any of your books there?
0: I have only to date with my published books that have them uh, set them in England uh, the the Georgian and Regency and Victorian periods were always a huge fascination for me so right from when I was young I used to set my stories during those times um, early days of photography was a recent story that was published mostly the Regency the first three books I had published were set during the Regency I think uh, the elements from my daily life that I combined with the, the actual adventure and the, the the sense of romance because uh, I, I, I'm a fairly adventure-loving person and setting a book during the Regency is a bit of an ask if you're going to turn it into an action-adventure but I, I like to find ways to weave in that action adventure or mystery or intrigue but my latest book that I've just finished the first draft on is actually set in the 1960s in the African mountain kingdom of Lesotho where I was born and where my father was a district commissioner he used to prosecute medicine murder and illegal diamond buying so the actual theme of the story is illegal diamond buying and it's a romantic suspense so it's set in the final days of the colonial era which is when we were living there before we emigrated to Australia. So I think I'm tending more to to use the actual settings of my life, but in between times, because I like to write a couple of books at the same time and sometimes a novella at the same time as writing a full book, I intersperse them. So the Lesotho book is being written in tandem with the Regency.
1: Now, do you find it difficult to pop genres, because I would think, especially for a historical, and I I have not written historical. I write contemporary, and I write paranormal, but they're usually set in the present day. But I would think with historical, you have to use a a totally different tone, right, so that you're not pulling the reader out of the story, right? You can't can't have your, your, you know, 18th century or 19th century or 17th century heroine say, Wow, or that's great, right? You have to really write the, in their tone, and then you're switching to the 1960s, which also has its own vernacular. Do you ha- how did you balance, you know, hopping from one to the other?
0: With both of those, it was uh, probably easier than if I balanced a Regency with a contemporary, because I'm very, very conscious of writing dialogue that is very particular to the right time period so my characters in for example my 1960s Lesotho where I have a a, uh, a London a, a Cockney born and bred uh, ch- a pilot um, bush pilot trying to make good in a colonial society and rid himself of his roots and his um, way of speaking I have to be quite conscious about how he w- his manner of speech just as i would the district commissioner's daughter is going to speak in a different way to the way we would today and mm-hmm. equally i have to do the same with my regency characters
1: so it's something that you very yeah. consciously then have to think of when you're when you're writing one story versus the other
0: yes i think i when i say i jump between the two i i would Less likely do it in one day. Uh, I might have one day where I'm channeling all my, my thought processes into this particular story so I'm more Im- immersed in that world and that, that way of speaking. Uh, so at the same time though, I do like to have certain times of the day where my quiet time is when I'm working on the editing of a final draft where I can have the quiet and the peace from the demands of the family who might be intruding on my headspace. So if I'm if I'm working on finalizing, say, a Regency, but I'm furthering a story where I can throw down the rough and dirty draft and I want to do it using, put the egg timer on for 20 minutes and just write as fast as I can. Then that draft, I'm not having to worry so much about getting the particulars right, but I am progressing the story. I know what's going to happen. And if I'm a little bit uh, off, as it turns out, with the way the characters might be actually using words or phrases, that can be fixed later on. So... I like to take my opportunities when I can and use the uninterrupted time for carefully crafting the final finishing touches to one story and then grabbing my moments as I can with the other, progressing the other story because I've, I've lived a pretty busy life with a pilot, long haul husband, pilot who's away and I'm holding the fort with the kids and Juggling school pickups and you know, this and that, so snatching time when I can really.
1: Right, right. Well, that's exactly how I write as well. I work full time mm-hmm. and I also have family. so I really, I, I often tell people they're like, "When do you find time to write?" And I say, "Well, you have to make the time, and and you snatch those times in the in the margins of your life." So, for example, mm-hmm. when my daughter dancing, I'll I'll have my computer and while she's dancing away. I'm, you know, I'm I'm working on my book, but it's very it, and you almost use a different side of your brain when you're doing like you said the, the 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 first draft, the down and dirty like just trying to move the the plot along. I find that drains me a little bit more than the editing part where you like you said you're you're perfecting the the language, making sure things sound the right way, you know, fixing it is I find that easier, I think, probably because it's a little closer to my um, my day job, which involves a lot of editing mm. as a lawyer.
0: Right, but, right.
1: So, you know, so like I find when I'm doing the first draft, that's where I have to be alone. That's where I have to be someplace really quiet. And the mm. other stuff I can do on the train, I can do while people are dancing or wherever I happen, happen to be. So, so mm. I, I, I certainly relate to you there. Now, in yes. writing historicals, I would imagine you have to do quite a bit of research. Did you find your your background in journalism helpful there?
0: It wasn't um, really my background in journalism that helped with the background of the story. Perhaps the research, yes, in certain respects, with um, fine tuning it. But since I was twelve, I've just devoured social histories. So I'd read. As many social histories as I'd read novels, I loved learning and discovering how people lived, which often threw out wonderful plot ideas. So really, when by the time I started writing, the the background, the era was pretty ingrained as a backdrop. So I'd put the plot on top of that, and the plot very often came from the research I'd done. I love writing stories about. Um, women in impossible situations seemingly at the time when they had so few legal rights. So, for example, um, one of my books, my second book, I have a heroine who's been married to an abusive husband who's now dead, but the terms of his will, strips her of the right to bring up their child. And in those days, she had no legal rights and no... mm, very little access to any of the money that had been once hers, obviously through the terms of her marriage in marrying her husband, it all went to him so finding ways of of uh, a woman winning against all odds and also finding redemption for the bad characters these these are the themes that seem to keep recurring in my stories and and like i was saying the... The actual idea of um, the the historical um, difficulties f- faced by women are such a, a rich source of material for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: So then you don't find because I often, I when I talk to writers, they some of them, especially if they have a his, you know um, a history background they have to almost stop themselves from researching because researching is fun, right? It's something they enjoy doing. <laughs> and sometimes you can convince yourself, oh, I'm working on my book because you're researching, but sometimes it's almost a crutch, right? Or it's, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, yes. it's, it's, it's something, in some ways it's easy for you. So um, I guess it sounds like that doesn't seem to be a problem for you. um it yeah, sounds it's like
0: not you really. You almost
1: draw the plot from the from the from the, the historical research that you do.
0: Mm, yes that's right yeah I find that um, when I'm I've become much better at focusing since I've had a child and also I suppose probably in the last just the last few years I have been his back when I was pregnant with my my second child so I suddenly became extremely good at multitasking and part of that came into the the way I I focus on my writing beforehand I was easily distracted going off on a tangent so suddenly time was so valuable to me especially if it was time that I was going to spend doing um, work, um, spend time on my passion which is writing and my uh, this this happened before I was published so I was determined to be published and I think I changed a lot of the way I I handled my daily life interspersed with my writing and I learned to cut out the distractions and focus on what I needed to do for that particular task to progress the story here or to, uh, if I needed to find a specific piece of research there, then that was where, that that was what I'd do. Once I'd done it, I'd get back into the story. But I'm very well aware of the temptations of, as a, as a history lover, it, it's a wonderful way to to while away a few hours, just finding out yeah, c- carrying on with all the peripherals that really aren't necessary to the story, but they 're such fun
1: <laughs> well it's, it's funny that you say you have to be disciplined because I, I came to writing rather light, late in my life I, I, I was over forty and I you know, had had my family at that point and but i'd always talked about writing it was something i always wanted to do in my 20s and my 30s i always loved reading and i always imagined myself writing but it's funny you know when you become a, mo- a mother you like you said you have to learn how to multitask and you have to get more out of every minute of your day it seems like mm-hmm. and so when i was single and i had all the time in the world you know aside from going to my day job i never picked up a pen right? I never picked, hit the computer. I never wrote one word. But when I was in a stage in my life where I had small children and I had to work full time and I had to commute, that's when I decided to write. And so often I, I could kick myself. I wish I could go back in time and, and say, you know, why didn't you write? But I almost wonder if, if I had started writing at that stage in my life, I bet you I would have been one of those people that, you know, overwrites you know, or writes where, you know, these people, they write a 200,000-word book that they have to cut down to 80,000 words. And because you have all the time in the world and you can be undisciplined, but I think because I'm writing at this stage in my life, I've had to be very disciplined. And so I'm not an overwriter by any manner of means. I, I, I'm very succinct. And before I sit down, I say, okay, I'm, I only have 20 minutes. I want character X to do Y. And, and I have to get there. So, you know, sometimes what is, 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 you know, limiting, could be limiting, you can turn to your advantage. It sounds like that's something that you've done. So,
0: yes, uh, no, I, I, I agree. I think of all that squandered time when I was footloose and fancy free and the, the time that I could have spent writing. But perhaps if it had all come so, so much earlier and easier, it wouldn't seem so precious now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I also feel, too, you know, for me anyway, I think I had to live a little. And I had to experience pain and disappointment in my own life Mm -hmm. in order to make, Mm -hmm. in order to put that pain into my characters. I think if I was writing at 22, you know, everything was great at 22. Nothing, Mm -hmm. life hadn't touched me much at that point. And so I think Mm -hmm. I would have written very light, fluffy, chiclet books, as opposed to to what I am writing, which are, you know, rather dark, Dark paranormal you know I also write contemporary as well but but my themes are much darker, you know, and I, I think that reflects my life experience
0: Yes, so. I think so. I really agree that that life experience if if you are uh, if you've experienced the highs and the lows and you, you you can come at that novel from a perspective where you are Really confidently able to get into the heads of the characters those who are who yes who've had it good, but also those ones who and of course your story is, and needs to have that conflict so so some your heroine's got to go through lots of angst, so much easier to write it believingly believably if if you've been there first, you've been there too, mhm, mhm
1: mm-hmm. now, maybe we can turn yeah. to a some of the mechanics of your writing. Do you typically write from the first person, the third person? Do you mix it up?
0: No, they're all third person. I'm much more comfortable writing third person. I've not really tried any other way. I, do, I teach writing at um, University of Victoria and do set my students' tasks so they can find where they're most comfortable, and but definitely I'm most comfortable third person. I actually
1: have never even tried the the third person. I'm I'm definitely a first person writer, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think, right. I think people find their comfort zone and and what works for them. And for me, I, yeah. from the first person, I feel like I have to get a little closer to the characters. Otherwise, I start writing like a lawyer, <laughs> which which is not great <laughs> for romance writers. <laughs> it doesn't make a very <laughs> well. That's a,
0: so. that's a huge shift, isn't it? The the different types of writing, but I suppose. Whatever words or words in that you have to use them and craft them for whichever uh target or market is your target, so regardless of whether you're writing uh something that's not romantic it's still words that are are going to be valuable in the you know in the big scheme of things you're crafting right, your right. words oh yeah it's, it's whichever definitely
1: way. different side of your brain, but I think. I think it, it's helpful in a lot of respects in my writing. Again, I think it's helped me to be d- a disciplined writer. I think it helps in the revision process. And I just think it's the, being comfortable with words. You know, and I'm sure, mm. you know, when you, w- you had the same experience, journalism is very different from writing a romance novel, you know. So, but it's mm. still, you have that comfort level with, me, with words. You're not afraid of them. You don't agonize over them. They come, mm. I think, they come a little easier, and you can yeah. you control them, I think. So and, mm. and like you said, a little disciplined. Now, what yeah. is the heat level of your books typically? I know that you write some of your more sensual stories under a different pen name. Maybe you can talk mm. a little bit about.
0: Yeah, sure. My my pen name is Beverly Oakley, which is a direct translation of my my name. Beverly Oakley uh, is my, is, a Norwe- is a Norwegian name, and Oakley is really oak tree. So. So I took the name that was very similar and kept my first name so I, so I could still um, respond appropriately when people called me at conferences. I once shared a, a room with four romance writers, three of whom I didn't know, and there were eight pen names, or eight names between <laughs> us. It was really confusing. <laughs> it was a great, great conference. But the pseudonym the, the, the really was... To differentiate the heat levels, not they they're published by. I have my second one coming out with Laura's Cave uh, in in a couple of weeks' time in January. Dangerous gentlemen, but um, my other three are with Total Ebound, which was the first time I used a pseudonym. Now they they're classified as erotic. They're probably more sensual than erotic. I find the classification sometimes confusing to me because the theme is definitely sexual. It's one about a prostitute, uh, and again, the themes of redemption come through. So you can't take away the the sex and not have the story, and yet they're probably no more explicit than any mainstream hot scene you'd find, uh, any mainstream romance hot scene. So, So certainly, because my first three books were published, by Robert Hale, a very traditional u um, k publisher, it didn 't seem to me at the time right to to write to confuse readers who might pick up another beverly Eley book and and um, fall off their chair if it was a totally okay. ebound or laris Cave book <laughs> so that 's why i 've done it more than i 'm quite happy for um, to be known by the two names and i don 't keep it. Uh, secret, even from the family, but really, it's just so that readers can un- understand what sort of stories I'm I'm writing. Some mm-hmm. stories, are, are absolutely no sex at all, and some stories are quite hot. <laughs> now, <laughs>
1: and and did you find that you wrote the hotter stories a little later in your career, or did you?
0: Yes, you I first? did. <laughs> Uh, the, the 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 hottest stories were definitely later in my career. My first three novels were Regency romances with action or adventure or mystery. Then, and the, the first one published in two thousand and nine. Then I suppose just felt like a change of genre, and also possibly because. I'm restless by nature and having lived all over the world and wanted to just, I've been, been, I don't want to be stuck in a rut, I've got to try something absolutely different. So I went from as far to the other side as my first romance being a very clean, sweet re- regency to then writing a, a very, very, um, what I call my racy regency romp. Just very saucy uh, Regency, which was a lot of fun. It was a no- novella, so I yeah. wrote a few more in in that genre, and then I switched back with my most recent publisher, Chocolate, uh, which I, for whom I'm writing uh, Regencies and the the um, 1960s set uh, romantic suspense under my um, my Beverly Eichley name. So. Uh, yeah, yes. no, I had a
1: similar, I, I started off my first two books, there was some romance, but it was definitely Kiss and Close the Door, and I just couldn't, it, was, it wasn't It was so much that um, that that's what I wanted to write, I just couldn't write the hotter stuff. I just, I think I had to mature as a writer, and it, it took me a long time to get there, but once you, once you get into it, like you said, it's very, it's fun to be saucy, so it's definitely, <laughs> uh, and now that I'm trying to, so I, I wrote a four-series, paranormal series, The Devil and Legacy, and each book progressively got hotter and hotter and hotter, and I felt very, very comfortable. Actually, sometimes a little <laughs> too comfortable. I had to, like, you know, cut. I was like, no, I'd have to t- strike a, a, um, a paragraph or two. I'd be like, no, no, that's going a little bit too far. But uh, my book that I'm working on right now, I was trying to go back more to my roots, do more of a women's fiction. and. And there would be romance, but much, much less. But I mean, I, I now have some pretty explicit scenes in there. So it's again, it's, it's <laughs> sometimes the, the characters, you know, they, you don't control them as much as you'd like. So I don't know where mm-hmm. I'm going to characterize the current book. I'm, I'm kind of be interesting to see where where these little characters take me. But again, I have scenes <laughs> that are meltingly hot, and I don't know where it's coming from.
0: But <laughs> it wasn't what i <laughs> on writing. Okay. Uh huh. Well, it obviously it's it's necessary. It's how the characters are, are leading the, the way. So it, it it just has to be written naturally for it to come across to the reader naturally, I suppose. And when you're comfortable writing it, it's not a problem. But I I agree with you um, having shared that first uh, horror of of um what? Go beyond the bedroom door? Me? Or oh, but then it became it became easy and if that's what my characters their personalities were like, well you you're cheating I, I felt I was cheating the reader if I didn't uh really explore more of how this character would would behave with a bit more license to behave as she chose.
1: Yeah, sometimes like I said, you have to let them rip and then you can always you know you can always pair them back a little bit if you need to in the rewrites but um, mm. like I said I've had a lot yes. of you know writing the, the the hotter stuff I never thought that's the direction I would take but I've really really enjoyed it it's fun now mm. we are running short on time maybe you could tell us a little bit about where people can find you online
0: sure alright well my website is dot com. There's also beverlyoakley.com, which feeds into the same website. And all my links, Facebook, Twitter, everything you want to know about me, is on my website. Okay, okay.
1: fantastic. And so mm. uh, some of your books that are coming up again, do you have any new okay, releases?
0: Okay, so, yes, I've got a, a new release with Allura's Cave called Dangerous Gentlemen, which is in the second series. It's the second of a series. The first one was Her Gilded Prison. It's a regency. It's a, it's a, racy another racy regency romp. And then I have a book out under my Beverly Eichley name with Chocolate coming out in uh, March 2014. So that's uh, one of my favorites. It's a uh, regency book full of intrigue a woman with a dark past who the who's yes whose past comes back to haunt her so another another redemption theme and the, uh, there's a high price to pay for a life of deception type theme. so that's wow. coming out in both paperback and e-book in March the maid of Milan. Right.
1: It sounds like you've been very very mm-hmm. busy I mean taking people to school, <laughs> cooking dinner. Now, are, are, all, are most of your books e-books? Do you have some that are in paper?
0: Uh, they're all... Um, many of them are paperbacks, actually. The the first the first three with Robert Hale are both hardcover paperback and large print. The um, My last two with uh, chocolate are also uh, just being in production now for audiobooks. So the Reluctant Bride, which was my most recent release with Chocolate, and The Maid of Milan will be coming out in a couple of months in audiobook and also large print as well as paperback and ebook.
1: Wow! So any, any
0: mm.
1: you are open for every reader. It sounds like. Well, it's that's like right. A, yes. You know, it sounds like you know you've only been published since 2009, although you've you've written for a lot longer, but you've certainly made up for, for lost time. There's a lot of books out there, and it's, it's, you're on fire. Mm. It's a, it's more one. So that's great.
0: Well, Beverly, yeah. I want to
1: thank you so much for, for calling long distance from Australia. I really – was been a pleasure, pleasure um, chatting pleasure, with you. Don't it? And I hope that I can maybe convince you some other time to join us. Um,
0: thank you very much. Share,
1: yes. No, it's been great. and And, and please – please like i don't know if you've liked the um nice girls um reading Naughty books facebook fan page but please like oh, it oh you have fantastic cuz i like this oh, and, yes. and please let me know if if you have any new releases i always like to um you know include um updates about all of my my guests on the show so when your books are out please let me know and i'll post it on the the page
0: oh, So thank anyway, you so thanks,
1: much. thanks again and i hope you're enjoying much much warmer weather in Australia than we have here in New York. So.
0: Oh, well, good luck with that storm.
1: Yes, I know. It's, well, like I said, I, I get to ho- play hooky tomorrow from, from work. Like, and <laughs> People are playing hooky yes. from school. So hopefully it won't be too bad. Well, thanks. Um, so, yeah, so thanks again. Um, just wanted to remind everyone about um, some of the upcoming shows. Uh, I have Tara Nina will be my guest on January 8th. And I have Sabrina York on January 11th. Um, I had some technical difficulties last week, so I had to reschedule her. Mm -hmm. So Sabrina will be on January 11th. Taranina will be on January 8th. And like I I think I mentioned on some of my prior shows, I am booked up until May. And I have some really fantastic, fantastic writers from all different publishers and and writing across genres. So please, you can um, get all the information about the upcoming shows on the Blog Talk Radio um, page, or on my website, uh, www.bernadettewalsh.com. wanted to remind everyone about my books. The four-book Devlin Legacy series is out and available. The, um, the first book in that um, series, Devil's Mountain. Then uh, I have Devil's Shore, Devil's Daughter. And the fourth and final book in that series, The Devlin and Witch. And all of those books are less than $3 each so please check them out. And if you want to see the covers or any of the excerpts excerpts from any of my books, they are on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me on this cold, well, if you're in the northeast of the U.S., this cold winter night. I hope uh, we were able to distract you from the upcoming storm. And, And again, I'm really looking forward to 2014 being a great, great year for nice girls reading naughty books. So good night, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.